Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. All right, and welcome. Welcome back to the Virginia Beach Sermon Podcast. This is Pastor Adam with you again, and uh, it is Testimony Tuesday. We want to welcome you back for this episode, and we are very grateful to have uh, an, another guest with us, somebody that I don't know personally, but uh, was introduced to the show through a mutual friend, again, Evangelist Jeremiah Wacker, who uh, provided an introduction, and I'm very glad to welcome Pastor Mike Major. Welcome to the show, hey, sir. Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm great. Thank you for taking the time. We appreciate yes, it. No problem. So it was uh, as as I was texting with you a little bit. We uh, we kind of realized that we've probably seen each other before down in the uh, Jacksonville, Florida rally, Pioneer Rally, which takes place in May. So I'm sure we've seen each other there. But uh, I'm sorry, I never got a chance to talk That's to you. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> it's it's a lot of people down there. Yeah, there is. <laughs> So, Pastor Mike Major, you are in St. Petersburg, Florida. Why don't you, uh, for those who don't know you, including myself, why don't you begin with a three to five minute uh, conference style report of what God is doing there? Yeah, excellent. Yeah, we were on staff in El Paso in 2020 to 21. And then uh, we got launched out of the Bible conference there in March. So we've been here in our hometown in St. Pete. Uh, we opened up our church August 8th of 2021. And we're going on about two years, but God has really been helping us. We uh, just actually had a service two Sundays ago where 38 people, seven visitors in total. So there's a lot of connections of people that I'm born and raised up with in this city that I know that I've been witnessing to. And, you know, throughout the 19 going on years that I've been saved, they're starting to see, hey, this is working for him. So a lot of people are actually coming in and we're starting to see visitors from our outreach. Um, you know, we just had five visitors on Sunday morning. Um, so we're averaging about 25, 30 people, but we're just keeping the main thing, the main thing. That's awesome, man. It's great to hear. So you're a native of Florida. Yeah, then. me and my wife, both born at the same hospital in wow. the same year. So uh, <laughs> that's something. Do, would you consider yourself Florida man? I would. I would. hundred <laughs> percent. I love it here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I, I, I guess uh, there's, there's a lot of good things happening in Florida these days. Yeah, there is. Um, I think the, the only downside is the hurricanes that fly through there every once in a while. But I can imagine it. Other than that, it's pretty much heaven on yeah, earth. Yeah, it is. I mean, we just had a pretty bad hurricane that actually hit over in Fort Myers area. Pastor Matt Singer, I'm not sure if you know him, but his, his building got pretty wrecked. But uh, he's back up and going and uh, things are going good. But, yes, hurricanes are definitely difficult times. I mean, we, we you know, locked down for two days while it was going on. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So uh, we want to uh, dive into uh, the, the the details of your testimony. This is uh, what I always tell people is that this is the reason that I like doing these is because we get a chance to uh, hear the more in-depth version of, uh, of pastor's testimonies because we as pastors, you know, we, we are often sharing details of our lives over the pulpit. And uh, but usually they're, you know, short anecdotes, they're disjointed very often or we give the five minute version of our testimony, which is great and always helpful. But um, it's rare uh, that we get to tell the whole story. And so we want to give you that opportunity. So why don't you uh, uh, why don't you explain where you grew up? What was your life like when you were a kid? Excellent. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah. So I'm born and raised here, actually born in Largo, which is, a you know, about 10 miles away from St. Pete. Um, you know, my whole family were Italian. Um, they just went to Catholic church on Christmas, Easter. So I didn't know what it was to, you know, live for God or anything, but 
Um, I started getting in trouble at a real young age. Um, I was taken from my mom when I was still in diapers, never met my dad. So growing up, I had this like kind of anger, resentment. If anybody said something about my mom, we, you know, put hands on them. I have an older brother. We're a year apart. So, uh, I mean, kind of, I got expelled from elementary, middle, high, started doing drugs and alcohol at age 11, started going to the juvenile detention center, which is like a juvenile jail. Um, I went there about seven times and then I was direct filed to like a boot camp program for three years. Um, but in that, I actually gave my life to Jesus. A guy came in there preaching, one of the staff members kind of sharing a testimony. Me and nine other people gave their life to the Lord. I had ne never done that before. And I remember the little orange Bible that they gave me. I'd go back to the little cell and I'd be reading it. And, uh, you know, I didn't know what it was to live for God or anything like that. So I went to this program for three years, got out, still did drugs and still committed a lot of crimes and uh, went back into the system, went in and out of jail for a couple of times, got on probation, tried to move out of the state, trying to figure it out. Couldn't figure out life. Um, but it was July 30th, 2004. Um, Pastor Stephen sent a couple, his his daughter and son, uh, which is Pastor Jerry and Jenny Sarabia, to Clearwater, Florida. And um, they were doing a concert in the park. And they were handing out hot dogs and stuff. And so he came up and invited us to the, you know, his church. And I was a manager of a rap group at the time, or what I thought. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had my friend start rapping for him. He's like, hey, I can't hear you. Why don't you guys come to the Bible study next week at my house? We're having pizza. And I was like, okay. You know, I only went for the pizza, but I wind up getting saved again. And then through that relationship, that's where I was discipled. And uh, I've been serving God ever since. I was the first disciple in Clearwater to get saved when they when they opened up the church in 04. Wow. Wow. That's very cool. So uh, going back to to your family story, um, that that's very surprising to hear that you're not in touch with your dad. You were taken away from your mom. Yep. Um, can you share a few more details about how that happened? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, I don't remember my mom. My, my brother remembers her. I was still in diapers, but I didn't. So my great grandmother, my aunt and my uncle actually raised me and my brother um, from the time I was in diapers till, you know, I guess 10, seven years. So I don't know if it was like nine or 10 years old. Then my mom got custody of us. Um, and then, you know, it just it was all bad from there because then I started doing drugs. I started doing all these things. Um, but, uh, yeah, never seen my dad. Um, but, you know kind of have a, I have a great relationship with my mother now, but it was real, you know, off and on because I was in and out of jail a lot. Then when I was in a three-year program, they couldn't see me for a year at least, and then they could only see me on weekends. So I was kind of just raised by the streets. Mm. So, I mean, it's pretty tough for like an elementary school kid to get in that much trouble. Like what, what do you, what was happening? What, what, what kind of behaviors were getting you in, uh, into the juvenile System. Um, I mean, there was a lot of fighting, a lot of, uh, I just had a lot of anger, you know, me and my brother kind of made a pad. If anybody said, Hey, your mom, you'd swing on them. Um, but basically the reason I got expelled from class is because I punched the third grade teacher. Um, and so that I got my rights read to me. I almost went to jail on that. And so they expelled me from elementary school. And then I got expelled from middle school, kind of same thing, just uh, being the wrong crowd, I guess, uh, smoking, drinking, robbing, stealing, doing all that. And I got expelled there. And then ninth grade, I just was never there. I would always, you know, skip school. And then they had me write some paper where they said, hey, if you miss one more class or get one more referral, et cetera, you got to, you're out of here. So that's kind of how that worked out. Man, so it sounds like it was a lot of violence. Is it, um, is it something that you experienced when you were growing up like, or that was just real natural to no, you? No, it was just the, I guess I, I want to say this, the amount of friends that we had. Everywhere we went, we went super deep everywhere. And then they had a lot of teen clubs. I used to get in dance contests when I was a teen, winning all the dance contests, even my wife. And uh, so, you know, kind of the legend in our own mind type of thing. I don't know. You know, everybody knows me here. So it was just kind of one of those things, I guess. Hmm. Wow. So, okay. So then you, you said that you also were from a young age, you started getting addicted to uh, drugs, alcohol, uh -huh. party life. Yep. Uh, how did you get introduced to all that? Uh, basically just through other people that would, uh, started out with cigarettes, then it started out with weed. 
Then it started out with drinking. So it was just other people that I knew, friends that I met, um, you know, kind of being, doing whatever you want at, at any time at a young age, you kind of, uh, you know, you get into some stuff on the streets. And so that's kind of how it happened. And then when I turned about 17, 18, I got introduced to XTC, started doing that. And then, uh, you know, it was maybe a couple years later, I got introduced to cocaine and, and that was as far as it really went. Well, that's far enough, yeah, yeah. I would say. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so what kind of effects did that have on you, that kind of lifestyle? Um, I mean, it had a lot of effects on me. I mean, I really, like, I really didn't want to smoke weed. I would go, like, weeks and months without smoking. I think the longest time I went with, like, being drug-free, no cigarettes, no weed, no nothing, was eight months. Um, I mean, I was homeless, uh, a pretty, pretty uh, substantial amount of my youth. Me and my brother, you know, from selling drugs and, you know, sometimes get money for a hotel, but mainly on the street. But my aunt let me live with her and I was trying to change my life. And so, uh, you know, I was trying to go back to school, get a GED, do all this stuff. And I, it was about eight months where I was totally clean, trying to figure out life. I mean, I even moved with my aunt that actually raised me in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I thought, man, if I move there, maybe I could change. And I got there and I was I was more lost than when I was home. <laughs> So thank God my wow. uh, grandmother had a round trip ticket. I wound up coming back and, uh, you know, went to jail a couple more times, but my life really changed when I, when I got saved in 04. Well, yeah, you would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, with, with the, um, the drugs, with the violence, living on the streets. Uh, I'm curious if you, uh, you you said that with an Italian family, there was some exposure to Catholic church, uh, but did you ever have any like experiences with God or supernatural things that you look back on? No, not that I can remember, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there have been times, but I, I wouldn't, I don't know, I don't remember. I was so out of my mind on the, the drugs in the world that, only thing I remember is when I was in JDC, um, you know, kind of a weird story. I was robbing my mom's boyfriend and I was there at uh, the house. Nobody was there. And I seen a, a TV evangelist on the screen and he was like, I'm talking to one person right now and his name's Michael. And I was like, whoa, you know, so that that kind of scared me. So um, not that that was like whatever, but maybe God was speaking to me. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it was obviously something if you remember it. This, yeah, this, yeah. You know, so many years later. Yeah. So it got your attention at yeah, least. Yeah, and then the only other time that I remember is when I went to jail for the last time. Um, I remember just saying, you know, because I was going to go up the road because I was on probation. I violated twice, and I was I scored out how they have it here in Florida. You're on a point system, so I scored out. And so, uh, you know, I was looking at like 30. It's like you won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you won the yeah, game. <laughs> the, the, it's the points. And so you go up the road, it's like 36 to 48 months or something I was looking at. And I just, I wow. just remember saying, God, you know, I just don't want this life. I, you know, I was in, you know, in jail. Just, I don't want to, I don't want to go up the road. And I remember there was a, a guy that introduced me in, uh, over to their, their cell and they were doing a Bible study. And I remember going over there and, and uh, the guy started asking me questions. Well, he wind up knowing some people in my family. And so they did a Bible study. And I just remember just, I mean, I'd never like even cried in front of everybody, anybody. But man, it was like I was in that Bible study and God fell on me. And I just started weeping. I was like, man, what the heck is going on? But that that mm. is a supernatural experience that I can say, you know, and I remember promising God. I said, God, if you if you get me out of jail, I mean, I'll go get a job. I won't sell drugs. I won't rob. I won't kick indoors no more. You know, I'll, I'll do what's right. Cause I just didn't want to go up the road, you know? And wow. I did get out. Yeah. I did get out. So, but do you think that you were converted at that time or, but just kind of had a spiritual experience? I think it was just more of a spiritual experience because when I got out, I still did drugs and still fornicated and still went, you know, I had no direction. My life really, I want to say that I was, so I got saved in 04, started going to church. I backslid um, and started doing things that I never did before. Like I never, I never did cocaine, but when I backslid, I did cocaine. And then, uh, mm. you know, I just was robbing everybody just back to the old lifestyle. And I remember that, uh, you know, I was just like, man, this is crazy. And, and uh, 
I was on my uh, back porch and I was smoking a cigarette. I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to quit. You know, I'm up for like two days. And I'm like, man, I've been saying this forever. And, uh, you know, it's like none of this works. And I remember my pastor calling me. And he was like, hey, you know, I've been praying for you. Just want to let you know we love you. Come to church tomorrow. And I wind up going to church. And I remember it was like as soon as I got into the church service, they were singing the song, Jesus, Lover of My Soul. And I just lifted my hands in worship. And that's when I will tell you I was converted. I, was, I never wow. left the church from there, never went back to drugs, never went back to cigarettes. Just got, I was radically converted. It was a night and day experience at that 100%. moment. 100%. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, e- even though, like, you were you were lost, you were so lost for a long time, it sounds like you at least had some clue that you didn't want your life to keep going that way. Is that accurate? Right, right. And I look back now, like when I got saved at 11, 12 years old, you know, I was really born again. I didn't know what it was to live for God. But as I look back, I can kind of, I don't want to say indicate or know that, man, that God spoke to me then. But it's like things started to make sense where I was like, man, God got me out of that. And God saved me from that. And, you know, so things started to get clearer once I stopped smoking weed and doing all the things, my mind, I had my mind back. Mm. So can, can you point out any of those specific moments where maybe God rescued you, even though you weren't necessarily saved yet, where he had mercy on you? Yeah. Um, I mean, there was one event where this was when I was backslidden. I don't really remember too much of the, of the youth part, like from 12 to like 18. Um, I mean, but I do remember one event where I was riding with one of my cousins that just got out of prison and we went to the club and then he was selling drugs. I didn't know, uh, that he was actually selling drugs at the time. I knew that he was doing it, but I didn't know that's what I was riding up to the club with him for. And so, uh, I guess he sold to an undercover and we're leaving the club and, uh, we've got like 10, 15 sheriff cars behind us. And I'm like, Oh my God. Mm. And so I took some of the cocaine from my cousin, stuffed it in my shoe, took the weed from my cousin, stuffed it in my shoe. Cause I was, he just did 10 years. So, and I, and I wow. had probably four or $5,000 cash on me, two phones. Cause I was, you know, I was just hustling again. And, uh, I remember, you know, uh, the cops pulling us over and I'm like, oh, they're just going to pull us over, whatever. But no, they pulled out the guns and everything. And they, they made him get out on the ground and, I just remember smoking a Newport with my hands up and I'm like, God, please, please don't let me go out like this. You know, I don't, you know. And so um, anyways, they strip searched me, everything. I've got the work down in my shoe. Nobody knew about it. I mean, they brought another investigator there. He's strip searching me. And, uh, you know, sure enough, they were like, hey, why well, do you got all this money? Da, da, da. And I just kind of kept lying. And I said, hey, I just my cousin just got out of jail. He asked me to ride up to this, you know, the club with him. Like, I don't know nothing about his life. And, uh, you know, they wind up letting me go. They never looked in your no, shoes. No, underneath, like, my, my, my foot, you know, in my sock. And so after that night, I mean, I could accredit that as being a miracle because, number one, Unbelievable. I got in the cop car and the cop was from Ohio. And because uh, he said, hey, we can't leave you here. We have to drop you off somewhere because they're brought the truck into custody and all this other stuff. He had like a, uh, Armana or something like that. Nissan. I forget what kind of truck it was. So the guy winds up dropping me off up the road at a gas station where someone was going to pick me up. But I remember the cop saying, Hey man, you're pretty lucky. You don't have no warrants. You know, if this guy would have had a gun in the car or something like that or drugs. You'd be going to jail. And I was like, mm. what the heck? So lo and behold, he drops me off. My cousin, uh, winds up getting charged for a gun because he had a gun underneath the seat. So I, he yeah, did. so what happened was, is I went and picked up my friend over from Clearwater and I was like, yo, I told him the whole story and then I'm riding back to my house where I'm at and my whole neighborhood's flooded with police. And I'm like, what in the world? So I don't know if they made a mistake. I don't know what happened, but I never heard anything from it. So that that's a miracle. Hopefully we're, we're, yeah, hopefully we're past the statutes of limitations yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was it. <laughs> That's wild, man. Yeah. Wow. So you you are a true example of uh, 
a, a really lost sheep that needed to be found. Yeah. Can you can you uh, describe how it was that God brought you in? I mean, you 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 described how uh, you had the Bible study in the jail cell, and that was definitely an experience. And then and then you had a relationship with the pastor. But what what do you think led up to that salvation experience, that born again moment that you had? Um, what I think it was is like I was always trying to change. Like I knew smoking weed, smoking cigarettes, doing drugs. I just knew it was terrible. Like I just didn't want to, I didn't want to do it. You know, we had fun seasons and all that, but there was a church in the neighborhood that I grew up in, in the hood that me and my friend Chris used to go to. He was born up in the church and all that. And so we were going to that church. Like every Sunday, we would even go to their Bible studies. And, uh, wow. you know, there was, you know, there was one time in that church where I actually answered the altar call. And what's so ironic about it is that I answered the altar call and like God met me at the altar. Like I was weeping and I was like, man, what the heck? And I could, I was so embarrassed. I didn't even want to get up because I was crying, you know? Um, wow. And then I went back up and, you know, nobody really talked to me or anything. It's more of like a, I don't want to say a religious church, but, you know, nobody interacted with me and I just kind of went on my way. But to answer your question, I think it was that God seen I was trying to change and wanting to change. Yeah. I've heard that described as the baptism of desire. Yeah. That before you, before you repent, that God's looking at least for a spark of somebody who wants to change. And you can, you can definitely see that in your life. Yep. So when you had that born again experience, like, can you describe what? Like, how did you immediately know things were different? Well, like, so in 04, when I met my pastor? Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't like an immediate thing. It was just like, um, it was through time that I knew that things were changing. And, and, you know, like, he would just encourage me to come to church. He would tell me I had a destiny. He would speak into my life. You know, those things made me feel good coming from not having a dad and, you know, wanting to change and having somebody that I'd see that's actually saved and I can actually see his life, you know, so that was really the biggest impact is his example, his family, how he treated his wife, <clears throat> how he would invite us over his house to hang out. That's what those dynamics really changed me and really was like, man, it, it really had an impact on me. Um but like I said, when I backslid and came back, that's when I felt like, okay, I got my mind back, you know, and mm. I realized, man, I could have, you know, who knows, I could have went to jail on that one event, I could have died doing drugs. And I just, I just didn't want that. So when I came back is when I, my pastor actually challenged me, he says, Mike, he says, you know, you live for God, or he says, you live for everything else, because he knows my whole story he says, why don't you live for God for six months? He said, just do it with all your heart. He said, just call right, right, wrong, wrong. Just come to church, you know, and just, mm -hmm. just let God's word change you. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was like, okay, I'll do it. And then, you know, that was it. My main thing was like, I still had problems, but I just came to church, you know, and yeah. that really changed. Yeah. Me. Wow. So when you when you say that you had problems maybe you can describe some of those cuz no doubt this interview is probably going to be heard by somebody who's uh either been through or going through some of the things that you were going through so maybe you could encourage them what kind of struggles did you have like early on making that decision to get serious with god i mean the biggest thing was just uh you know i wrestled with you know obviously pride i felt you know and not knowing the bible i was super religious i didn't know I didn't know what it was to live for God, be a disciple. I couldn't name you one scripture, you know, so I didn't, in my mind, I looked at the church as like, okay, that's, you know, those people aren't happy. That's just a fake. I didn't know that it was real, but when I seen mm. it real in my pastor's life, it's what made it real to me. But I struggled with pride. I struggled with insecurity. I struggled with anger, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, all these different things, you know, addictions, but, uh, God was filling me with his word. So that's what was changing me. It was like, I was going from death to life. Mm. Were you married when you came into the church? No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. Okay. Yeah. Did you have a relationship with, uh, 
with a girl at all? Um, yes, I was actually in a relationship with a girl that uh, that uh, I, I basically broke it up. I said, look, you know, the mm-hmm. Bible says that no fornicator is going to go to heaven. I said, it's right here in the Bible in the red letters. Jesus said it. I said, hey, if, you know, if you want to make this work, we can. I said, but I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do what God says if, because I know if I do that, everything's going to work out. I said, it's up to you. And so, you know, she came to one service. I came to her service. And it's a funny story because she grew up in a Catholic church that my whole family used to go to. And uh, I remember telling my pastor that, hey, you know, she wants to come to church, but she wants me to go to her church first. I got kicked out of that church, me and my brother. So anyways, I know, even got kicked out of church. Anyways, but (laughs) I remember telling my pastor and and my pastor says, hey, you know what? Uh, Why don't you just pray and ask God to show you the difference? And, and I was like, yeah. okay, cool. And so I said, God. That's wisdom, yeah. huh? I said, God, you know what? I said, will you show me the difference? Because I was wrestling around with like, I don't know what a Baptist, a Catholic, a Protestant. I didn't right. know any of that. And so it was so interesting that we wind up, me and the girl, we wind up, my girlfriend at that time, we wind up going to the church and we happen to go to the church early. And as we're going, I'm like, hey, you know, nobody's here. And she's like, oh, no, we'll just go in anyway. I guess we went there early. Right. And I prayed that prayer. Only my pastor, you know, told me, hey, why don't you pray that prayer? He's the only one that knew. And it was just me and her. And we wind up walking up to the church and you wouldn't believe it. Um, I look over and the priest is on the side of the building, kind of hiding, smoking a cigarette. (laughs) And I felt like God spoke to me, says you can either be real or you can be religious. Oh, man. And I was like, what the heck? (laughs) <laughs> and I still went to the church, but after that, I just left her alone, and I wind up just serving God. And then my wife shortly after Man. came in. Yeah, what a great lesson! That huh? was beautiful. Oh my goodness! Well, it sh- showed you immediately. God answered your prayer, did. just like just that. Just like that. Wow. Yeah. So you could immediately see that um, that what you were picking up from your pastor was the genuine deal, and what what you went to go visit was definitely not exactly. So uh, tell us a little bit more about your pastor and the relationship that you had with him. And um, you said he's uh, the son-in-law of uh, pastor Paul Stevens. Correct. correct? Okay. So, so um, tell us a little bit more about him and, and their decision to, to pastor in Florida. Yeah. So uh, he got sent out to Florida. Oh, four. He was actually going to go like a couple, uh, I think maybe even a County away. And what happened was, is he had an invasion team come down and he was driving through Clearwater and he just said, God spoke to him. This is where it's at. And, uh, you know, that's when he started the church. But, you know, he was my pastor from, I believe it was 2004 to 2009. And so, I mean, he discipled me. He, you know, he encouraged me. I was risen up to be a Bible study leader, usher, um, you know, everything in the church. We'd go to revivals. We'd go drive five hours to uh, Carlos Morales' church when he had it in Miami uh, to hear Roman Gutierrez. I mean, we were just, you know, we were just making disciples nice. and me and him were building the church together. So, yeah, th- this was a, a pioneer setting, wasn't it? Like he was, he had only gotten there shortly before you came in. Is that correct? Well, I was the first person that he prayed with. So I was the first disciple. Wow. Yeah, so that was in 04. Yeah. I mean, he got the church up. The church was running about 70, 80 people. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. In five years. Yeah. Wow, that's a blessing, man. So so well you you were there to see all of that. Yeah, then. I experienced all of it. I mean, I experienced people that I knew that he witnessed to, um, you know, other people that were getting saved, just getting radically saved, people getting healed, delivered. It was incredible. So that church, is that is that the same church you're pastoring now or that's a separate No, I'm about twelve, thirteen miles there. So that church is now pastored by um, Pastor Albert Martinez. He's been there going okay. on seven years. Wow, fantastic. So so that church uh, is a, a landmark for you. You you look up to that as a, as a great example. Yeah, 100%. So what happened was is that um, um, I got sent out in 2010, and I started pastoring in Seminole, which was about 12 miles away from 2010 to 2013. 
And then I actually went back and took over my own mother church in Clearwater from 2013 to 2016. And we just had revival. And so we knocked down the wall. We expanded the building. We remodeled it. We wound up sending a couple out to town and country, which was in Tampa. And then in 2016, um, we went and took over uh, a church in South Central L.A., which was at the time Pastor Joe Stevens. um, Yeah, took over that church in South Central. And we were there from 2016 to 2020. And then I went to be on staff in El Paso um, in 2020 to 21. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to get to, I got some questions about the, your time in ministry, but before we get there, I, I'm, I'm curious w- w- at what point did you feel the call to, to pastoral ministry? Like it's, it's obviously not automatic, but, um, at, at what point did you kind of discern that God was calling you also to, to be a pastor? Yeah, so I mean, I can tell you the the uh, the time that I knew that I knew is well. First off, it, it was cultivated through morning prayer. So as soon as my wow. pastor started encouraging me to come to morning prayer, it was like that one decision on top of the other decisions. But that one decision really revolutionized my life because I started praying in the morning, started reading the Bible. I was more it was more of a discipline, and so. God started to just speak to me in prayer and I wouldn't have all these long prayers, but I would meditate and I would like, God, I want to know how your voice sounds. You know, all these, you start to experience a lot um, when you're in morning prayer for me anyway, as a young convert. And uh, God spoke to me about, you know, preaching. And I was like, God, you know what? Well, show me a sign, you know, tell me how, how do I know this is real? And it's like, God showed me a sign that I was like, no, that can't be real. You know? And I was like, and I remember saying specifically, I was like, God, I, I'm asking you to treat me like an elementary school kid. I, I, I want you to speak to me like so I know that if you say pastor or assistant pastor or anything that says pastor where I know that you're speaking to me or you would speak through somebody or you would show me. And um, and I was like, OK, God, and you got three days to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, when you're when you're, you know, a young convert, you're you're pretty you're pretty yeah. cold. But anyways, um, there was a hurricane, uh, like a tornado going on. And I remember driving to the Wednesday service. And uh, I think I was, you know, there's only a few people there at the time because everybody didn't want to go. But I was like, I'm going. My pastor is going to be there. I'm going. And so um, it's right next to a convenience store. So an older guy, his the thing fell off of his truck. So I, because I, I, there's big windows in front of the church. I was like, hey, pastor, this guy's stuff fell. So we wind up helping the guy he lived right around the corner. And this was like day one after the prayer. And so every everywhere okay. I went, my pastor would say, hey, this is, you know, I'm Pastor Jerry. This is my wife. This is uh, Michael. He's one of the disciples in the church. And he would always introduce me to everybody, you know. But this guy, we, we wind up, you know, fixing his, his, his stuff off his uh, truck, bring it there. And, uh, you know, of course, Pastor Jerry is like, hey, I'm the pastor of the church. And then the old man goes, is that your assistant pastor? And I was like, what the heck? Dude, I was like, whoa. <laughs> and you know, when you feel God's presence and it like God falls on you. And I didn't even tell nobody I was praying that prayer. That was just between me and God and wow. prayer. And I was like, whoa. And so, you know, it took me about a month or two to tell my pastor the, the same story. And uh, that's when I really started contending to be a pastor. Man, okay, well, Already, we've heard of uh, two profound answers to prayers that shaped the course of your yeah. life. I'm sure it's only two out of many, but certainly makes makes it so clear to you. That's that's powerful. I, I wonder if you could take a second to to encourage um, those who struggle with the idea of morning prayer. Maybe not with the idea of it. I think that you know intellectually, everybody is like, okay, yeah, I think it would be a good idea to pray in the mornings. But the reality is that not everybody is doing that. Yeah. Right. So can you can you can you share with people um you know what how God has used that to uh, maybe explain a little bit more just how, how God has used that to shape your life as a Christian and as a pastor. Yeah, I mean I would say, you know, the if you're not faithful to morning prayer, it's just a just being lazy, you know, that's just any of us. But, uh, I mean, it's shaped everything about me, the way that I'm 
I conduct myself, the way that I behave. Um, I mean, Jesus withdrew himself to a solitary place and prayed in the morning. His mercies are fresh every morning. I want it. I need it. I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. You know, I don't make, you know, I'm not willfully sinning, but I, 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 I pray every right. morning, God, I'm asking you to, you know, wash me, renew me, God, of any and all, un, of uh, any and all ungodly sins that I may have trafficked in, in my mind or in my heart, God, just help me, um, you know, fill me with the Holy Ghost and fire. And so I think that every morning, because we're creatures of habit, right? You know, every morning Absolutely. I wake up and I'm able to make contact with God. I'm able to read the word of God. And it's and it's helped me to accelerate myself to be a better, you know, a better Christian, a better husband, a better father, a better well-rounded man to God, because I'm speaking life. I'm being real. I'm mm. coming into prayer. It's between me and God. I'm reading God's word. I'm, you know, I'm not, it's, it's just everything. Morning prayer is everything to me anyway. Man, for sure. Yeah. I, the way I like to explain it to people is it's the same principle of the tithe. So we believe we give not just 10%, but we give the first 10% to the Lord. And then he blesses the rest, the 90%. And what is it? We always say that I'd rather have 90% that's blessed than a hundred percent that's cursed. And the same is true about our time. With every day, we have a certain number of hours that we give uh, in our lives. And when you develop that habit of morning prayer, it's it's like I'm giving the first 10% of my day, you know, to the Lord. And I could be doing a lot of other things. I could be, you know, could be sleeping. I could be getting ready for other things. And But when you dedicate that time, it's like, man, you're right, that God is able to bless the rest of your day in ways that you'd never even thought possible. Have you experienced 100%. that? hundred percent. That's awesome. So morning prayer has, uh, has shaped you. And, uh, it was through that morning prayer that you were called into the ministry. And so you shared that with your pastor. And so how long uh, were you married at that time yet? No, not yet. Not yet. But, uh, had she come into the church by that point? Yeah. So my wife actually wound up living down the street from the church, but she wasn't in the church just yet. Okay. Okay. Well, tell us how, how you guys met and, and, uh, how you got together. Yeah. So, um, I guess kind of back when, um, I was a teenager, uh, we would go to all the teen clubs cause here in, you know, Florida, uh, Pinellas County, they had a lot of teen clubs. So I would be getting in dance contests. She would get in dance contests, but we never seen each other um in some of the clubs but i seen her this one night in a club and so um you know i just went up to her started dancing with her and then danced with her for the second song and then i remember we were really young she was 16 i was 17 my friend's mom actually drove us there so she was outside so i remember after the club you know i'm going to my friend's uh, mom's car to get a pen to get her number and then i remember turning around and i she was like hey can i get your number and i was like hey i was just coming to get yours and so that's kind of how our little that's yeah. wild and so um and so uh yeah we went out for like two or three years um oh wow yeah, when we were that young and i mean my wife was the only, uh you know my girlfriend at the she was my girlfriend at the time was the only one that i actually had a friendship with you know she grew up in church but she didn't know what it was to live for god you know she didn't have you know the structure of a mother and father in her life she had her mom but not her dad and so, uh, you know, we kind of went out for two years and we broke up and then we went our own little way. And then when I got saved is when uh, probably shortly about uh, a year after that, she came into the church and got saved. And we started Christian dating and got married. Wow. So did did were you the one that that uh, invited yeah. her? So you thought about her all the time because she was living close to the yeah. church. Yeah, really? Yeah, I would. So I you would were, even say, man, if I ever got married to anybody, it'd be Liza. <laughs> wow, and it up happening. man. Yeah. So you had you had that memory of uh, a, a teenage fling, and uh, she just happened to be nearby. So you were like, God, <laughs> bring that bring that Eve to me. <laughs> yeah, I just shared my testimony with her. I said, man, I started going to church. Really, it changed my life. You should come. And then she just came. Did she, did, I mean, did she know you? Did she follow you at all during those years that you, you were so lost? Um, yeah, when we went out, but it was not a, you know, we didn't have cars at the time. We were still kids, you know, 
So we would talk all the time, but we would kind of, we were going out, but we were all, you know, just doing our own thing. Right. But, but she knew you well enough that your life had been radically altered. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause at my house, we'd have 15, 25 people over. My mom worked morning to night. So our house was the big hangout and party house and all that. So she, she definitely knew, I mean, we'd have do stuff at the beach. I, yeah. She knew me. Wow. So, um, how, how old were you and she when you, when you got married? So we got married, uh, I got saved in 04. We got married in 05. So I think I was 22 or 23. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's still, it's, it's early in life. Thank God. You yeah. Spend a, a long time in sin. I mean, it probably felt like forever, but still you, you have a whole life in front of yeah. you. Praise God for that. Yeah. So, um, and she obviously uh, knew about your your desire to preach the gospel. How does she feel about yeah, that? Yeah, well, my pastor told me, he says, hey, you know, you're courting her. You better make sure she's called to be a pastor's wife. And I'm like, oh, dang. I didn't think about it. <laughs> I was serious. like, this is going to be a dream crusher. I was like, and so <laughs> I went to her and I'm like, hey, listen, you know, I just want to be real with you. I know we're, you know, kind of Christian dating. I said, God's called me to preach the gospel. I said, you got to pray and make sure God's called you to be a pastor's wife because this is what I'm doing. And so sure enough, thank God. She was like, yep. Uh, you know, she prayed and God told her. Praise God. So can you, uh, can you let in our audience on, since you had, you know, the wrong kind of relationships before you were saved. And then you, you went through the whole Christian dating experience. Um, you know, what was your, what was your experience of that? And how was it different? Um, it was different because of the fact that, uh, I had never done that type of relationship before. And, you know, it was, it was a little bit difficult because we actually were together when we were kids. So it was, it was, I don't know, I guess it was a little bit difficult, you know, to do that, but, uh, you know, we got through it. Um, but there was some baggage. Yeah. There. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we've, we were intimate before, you know, so, um, yeah. it just, uh, I thought it was incredible because it really showed that, you know, my mind, you know, my mind was saying like, if, okay, if we could be faithful to each other and she can love Jesus more than she loves me, then we're in there, you know? So those, those months of being split apart and uh, getting married, you know? Yeah. So how, how long were you doing the Christian dating thing before you, you got married? So we were, we, uh, so the story is we Christian dated for like three months, then we messed up. Then we Christian dated for like another month and a half, two months, messed up. And then we did it for a month, messed up. And so we got kicked out of the church. Oh, no yeah. way. So, um, I mean, and, uh, you know, that really did save my life because it made me realize, wow, man, this, this stuff is really serious, you know? And so, you know, we went to the courthouse, we got married, and then we wound up coming back to church. But, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you with all honesty and, you know, me and my wife are the best of friends. We... You know, we've never, we've never said divorce. We've never had our, I've never slept on the couch. I've never had, none of those things have ever happened. Some of the stories I hear would never happen. Like me and my wife were really like, we're best friends, you know? So it's, it's very, I'm, I'm just grateful to God. It's just been unique, but I, I credit it to morning prayer, just growing in God's grace, treating my wife, right. Seeing how my pastor treated his wife, understanding so that's that's really interesting that uh, that you had to be put out, especially in that time because it seemed like everything was going pretty well, yeah. you know. And uh, the church was probably quite small. It was, was yeah, that it was true about, at that it was time? About thirty, forty people. And uh, okay, well, I mean that's still a good size, yeah. but uh, but for for your pastor to have to put you out like the very first one that he prayed with, that had to be really tough. Oh on yeah, him. we were both crying. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. You know, what it made me realize, yeah. though, is that, you know, obviously we got put out so we couldn't go to church. What was interesting is I started to go around to other churches because I was like, you know, I'm going to go to church at least on Sunday morning, you know, just right. to whatever. Right. And I'm telling you, bro, the church is out there, especially I went to one church where they're breakdancing and doing all this stuff. I'm like, this is, <laughs> you know, I grew up in that life. I grew up in club. And I was like, this is not how God's how I had enough revelation up until that point to be able to say, this is crazy. And the church that I used to try to go to when I was trying to change my life, 
uh, it was it was in the hood that I mentioned to you. I wind up going back to that church on the Sunday morning, and I remember I was dressed in you know church clothes or whatever, and I remember putting a hundred dollars in the offering with my name and number on it. And the Monday, the next the, that was on a Sunday, the Monday I got a call from a you know a number I didn't know, so I didn't answer it, you know, and then I got the message. And uh, the message was from the actual pastor of that church, you know, uh, you know, just basically saying, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. I just wanted to reach out to you. And I was like, buddy, you never reached out to me when I was coming in with a tank top, flip flops, high and all this other stuff. Mm. Now you want to reach out to me because I put money in the basket. That's how I took it anyway. Yeah. So I, wow. I experienced a lot of the religious world in the way where all I wanted to do was get back to my church. Because I knew that that was the vision, that was the mission, that was that was everything. That was the real deal. Wow. So, man, so that was an education all by itself, yeah. wasn't it? And so you guys were, were out for, what, six yeah. months? And then had to come back. So what, what was that like? I'm sure that there's going to be people who hear this, again, that are either on the pastoral side of this having to having to deal with that situation or those who are having to come back in with, uh, you know, head hanging low. Um, how were you able to, to handle that and get through that? Yeah, for me, it was just, uh, you know, I like to say it was a minor setback for a major comeback. You know, I, <laughs> I studied God's word. I did everything yeah. I needed to do. I tried to do my very best. I mean, it was a little bit rocky, you know, because me and my wife went to the courthouse. We got married. I mean, I robbed my wife of a wedding because I'm the one that should have been the man and did the right thing, um, you know. Uh, but, I mean, I guess I can say it was just a, a, about just learning, you know. I didn't come with my head hanged down when I came back to church. I was excited to be back. I was excited, you know, for what God was doing, you know. I just, just kind of fell right back in the suit. Amen. That's that's great. I, I, you know, you pray that 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 would be the situation for everybody that has to experience yeah. church discipline. But the reality is that it's very rare, to be honest. I, I've only seen, you know, maybe I don't want to put a number on it, but it's it's few. It's probably the minority, not the majority that actually come back and do right. Unfortunately. Yeah. Is that is that your experience also? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me and my pastor had such a great relationship that it was like, you know, yeah. I, I, I was, I was more, you know, I was disappointed that, you know, that I let him down, you know, all that stuff, but he, he would sure. always follow up on me, always call me. It was just the love, the camaraderie, just the, I looked at him as like my dad, you know, that I never had. So it was just more like, there was more of a real strong connection, that loyalty, that everything, you know, so it was really different. So that really saved you was having having that strong relationship with your pastor. And obviously, the you, you described how the morning prayer revolutionized your life and, and kept you on track. So praise God for that. So you guys get married and uh, and then you s start the, the journey toward pastoring. And so what does that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, it was just everything that we were doing, going to revivals, having revival, going to morning prayer, starting to do Bible studies. You know, being an usher, I mean, my pastor would teach me how to prepare sermons. Um, you know, we would street preach. We would always outreach. Um, you know, we just, I just kept doing the same thing that he was doing. Mm -hmm. And so how long was it then before uh, you were announced to go Pioneer? Um, well, I got married in 05, so it was five years after that in 2010. Okay. That's when we got launched out of uh, El Paso Conference. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm always curious about this and it doesn't always come up in every conversation, but, uh, what kind of, uh, work do you do? How did you support yourself at the time? Um, so I've been working, uh, you know, I just worked whatever type of jobs in the beginning. And, um, I started working at, uh, it's called Van Roo credit corporation. So I've done like phone sales, telemarketing my whole life. And so um, I was living in a duplex at the time, and I remember God speaking to me. I, I met a guy at uh, the Largo Mall. We were street preaching, outreaching. And I met a guy there, and, uh, you know, I just basically said, hey, bro, have you ever given your life to Jesus? He says, no. I said, you know, you got to be born again. So I wound up praying with this guy, and uh, I prayed with him and his girl. And he was like, hey, you know what? I'm here from New York. 
I just moved down here. I'm getting ready to start this company. And I'm like, okay, cool. What do you do? And he was like, yeah, it's actually, I, I help call centers. I give them live transfers and all this. And I'm like, bro, I know every call center around here. We kind of just hit it off. And so I started working for him and I uh, started to make some really good money. Um, and so uh, I remember God speaking to me that I want, I, I want you to move out and get into a house. And I'm like, what the heck? So I'm like, okay, um, you know, I always paid my tithe. I always gave offerings beside. I made a covenant with God early in the game. I said, God, if you'll take care of me and money, I'll do this. Because every time I went to jail or fought or did something, it had to do with money. I'm like, I don't want to be messed up on money. So if you can hand, help right. me with money, I will bring in the tithe. I will bring in the offerings beside every time. So any, anyways, yeah. I, I wind up, uh, I wind up working for this guy at the time. Um, you know, when God spoke to me, I called a bunch of places. There happened to be a house right around the corner from the church. I called and left a message and, uh, lo and behold, this was a, a girl that I didn't even know I knew her, but, or she knew me. And she was like, she called me up and she was like, there's no way I'll be able to let you rent this house. You stole my daddy's credit card when we were little. And I'm like, what the heck? And so I just shared my testimony with her. I was like, but I'm different. And so I was like, you mm. talk to your dad and her dad wind up letting us get the house. And uh, it was right around the corner from the church. Um, but yeah, so I've got into, after that job that I worked with that guy, I just started opening up my own businesses. Okay. And what kind of businesses were those? Selling leads and doing like marketing for the call centers. Um, oh, yep. wow. Okay. That's interesting. Yep. So, um, uh, do you, do you still work to support the ministry or are you full time? Yep. No, I still work. I still work. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, still in the same line of business. Yeah, so now I have like uh, a consulting firm with uh, a handful wow. of employees that, um, you know, we actually do, uh, uh what's called, uh, consulting for small businesses to help them get government contracts. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Praise God for that. I'm sure you can take that wherever you need to go. Yep. yep yeah. It's a, uh, mo mobile business as, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you, uh, uh, well, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll take a quick break, uh, about halfway through here. And then I want to talk to you about, um, your first pioneer experience and experience in ministry and uh and how god brought you to where you are now so uh we're going to take a quick break and uh for those of you who are on the the free podcast uh this will be the end of the road for you but if you want to hear the rest of the conversation go get that subscribe button and uh, you'll be able to hear the rest <laughs> 